And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of This Show is All About You. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. This is a show about all the ways in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. Uh, You can find out more about me at my website, uh, wordsbyjdk.com, as well as on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, It is a beautiful day here in the Northwest. Hopefully it's a beautiful day uh, where you are. Spring is well on its way. And I'm really excited for episode 14 uh, for April 12th, 2021, where we are today. A show I have titled, and you'll find out why in a minute, Woo Woo is for You Too. (laughs) And that person you hear laughing uh, is my guest, uh, and I will introduce uh, her shortly. And uh, I do a haiku uh, for every episode. And so today's haiku, to kind of get us focused, if you will, goes like this. I know what to do once I get out of the way of my own thinking. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that, seeing as I now have my my guest's attention, I'd like to introduce uh, my guest, Mary Gleason. Mary is a executive intuition coach and has been doing uh, intuition work of various kinds for what, almost 20, 30 years? uh, A little bit? You know, close to 20, closer to 20. Wow. Well, still, that's impressive. Well, you know, I would say to be accurate. 15 years because it took me a long time to figure out what the heck this is. Ah, gotcha. Well, and you've, and you <laughs> have explored that as part of your new book, which has just come out. And that's a book that's called uh, being woo woo in an engineered world. Correct. Correct. And so this in some ways is a, a bit of a culmination maybe of that 15, 20 years. Yeah. So I have over 30 years working with nonprofits uh, on staff as a department head Um as a consultant working with executives and their boards and whatnot. And for so long, I had this other part of me over here that was a psychic medium and hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. And I began to realize that there is no separating them. I have to step into myself 100% and um, started incorporating all of those tools into any, anybody uh, that I've been working with. And so I tell people I am an out and proud woo-woo exec, <laughs> you know, and I think more of us should be too. Right, which is what your book is about. And right. and and in light of my theme for this month of creativity, mm-hmm. you seem like the perfect person to bring on because last week I finished up talking about where does the creative process start, and I had said uh, that one of the great things about creative enterprise is that it, it pushes, it shows us that we can move beyond our own status quo, that we can grow, we can adapt, we can change, we can open up to changes happening to us. You know, we can open up to a lot of those things. And I, I said in that show, and then wrote over the weekend on my blog, wordsbyjdk.com, that intuition in a lot of ways could be a starting point for creativity, the intuition to do something, to step out, to put something together. It sounds to me like what you're saying is your intuition kind of brought all these parts of your life together. together and here you are with this book and this intuition coach kind of title. So a couple of things that you're saying in there, and I I just want to say that for me, what the reality was is that I'm dominantly intuitive. Mm -hmm. And for so long, I thought the world was resisting me. And I came to realize I was resisting me. (laughs) I was resisting being in that woo-woo space Mm -hmm. and trying to play into the wrong definition of success for me. Right. What's one of the things that I learned that saved my bacon and how I think about this is that um, only 25 percent 
of people, uh, according to Myers-Briggs, are dominantly intuitive, but we all have some intuition. Mm -hmm. So if you are left brain and logic minded, going over into your uh, creative, intuitive self on the right side of the brain is may not be the starting place. It mm -hmm. may be that you run into things that you just can't explain. And you, as one uh, mathematician, mathematician said to me, I finally found my intuition when I stopped trying to solve all these problems. I would just put them <laughs> out there. And if, you know, I would work them a little bit. And instead of spending a week hitting my head against the wall, I would just let it go and let the answer come to me. And it always did. And he said, and after a while, I realized that was true of every area of my life. Mm, that's really interesting. And, and I, like, I like how you describe that because I think there are some people out there who, who might know other people that are really intuitive. Mm -hmm. and, and I know a few and, and might compare themselves as, oh, I'm not as intuitive. I think that's really interesting that our brains are designed to have both, right? The problem-solving side, that intuitive side. And for some people, one side might mm -hmm. be more dominant than another. And we found out, of course, from, from years of neuroscience now that the, the brain's plasticity means it can learn that. So does that mean that as, as someone, say somebody who comes in with not as much intuition, say, as the next person, mm -hmm. as they are able to engage in that intuition, that can continue to grow? Yeah, it gets louder. It gets more recognizable. You know how to identify it, how it shows up for you, um, how to call on it, and how to trust it. Yeah. You know, you... We discussed a little bit right before the show the difference between intuition and ego. Yeah. And, and for so long, I allowed my ego and, and the data to mm -hmm. talk me out of what I knew intuitively. Right. And intuition isn't the definitive answer to everything, but it's the balanced way to get to decisions. Take the left brain and the intuitive right brain and bring them together. So... What I like to say is the left brain is the COO, right? <laughs> it's got all the data. It's got all the trends. It knows the schedule. It's got the numbers. It knows the revenue projections, whatever the problem is. It's got the data. Mm -hmm. The right side of the brain has intuition and creativity, which, by the way, are the same part of the brain. Right. So this, that's the CEO. The CEO takes all the data and brings it over to the right side and says, what does this tell me? What do I want to do with the data? Right. And you have to build that into your decision-making process or it's not automatic. That's amazing. So and to play this out a little bit further, so like if a CEO of an organization, right, I'm part of a nonprofit organization. That's how I, you know, I've done this kind of work with you, not just mm -hmm. there, but also kind of in per, you know, personal executive intuition coaching. Say there's this person who, who's a uh, CEO of an organization. Right is incorporating this approach into what they're doing. They get the data. The data could be about their employees, about their directions, that type of thing. And then on the basis of them maybe knowing their employees, knowing their employees' yep. personalities, how they work, how they best respond to challenges, can then use their intuition to make the best choices and the best directions of who to, who to do what, how to talk to a certain person about something, who to team up and who not to team up. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, and it can also be that your intuition is saying to you, don't make the decision yet, <laughs> right? Wait and see. Get more information, get more data, but you, you might not have the complete picture. On the other hand, you know, it depends on how your intuition shows up with you, which is a lot of the work I do one-on-one -on -one with people um, 
to say it might be that every time I think of this, everything feels just so right. Mm -hmm. You know, that's intuition, too, that says maybe I can't document it all the way. Maybe I don't have it on a graph somewhere that I can show somebody. But by God, we're going to go this way. Right. You know, Um, I love I was reading about Reed Hastings, who is the CEO of Netflix. Okay. You know, and um, he always says, yeah, I've got all the data. That tells me what was popular last week. Right. (laughs) May not say anything about what's going on right now. Right. And he said, that's not necessarily a predictor of what new ventures I want to take on, what new kind of shows I want to explore. Mm -hmm. So he said, yeah, I need to know what worked last week, but that's, that doesn't tell me necessarily about what's going to work next week. That's great. I love that. Let's. Uh, I'd like to go back to that that differentiation you made between how do you know when it's intuition and when it's ego. And this question is very important to me because you are the first person I ever asked this to. <laughs> was you know, and it was it's been in a lot of areas of my life. And I I was I was saying to you before the show, and I would like to share with everybody listening that um, Mary's a, a key person in helping me become, I guess, what I could call the CEO of myself. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm sitting here doing this and, and some other things. And so thank you for, for those things. Um, but I asked you that question because, um, I was at a point when I asked that, which was a while ago now of of not really knowing what to trust. You know, I've got a very overactive mind. I've got a very active imagination. I'm a fiction writer. So that's part of the, part of the, you know, par for the course. But in some other areas of my life, I couldn't figure out Mm -hmm. how do I know if this is intuition that I'm really right about this? Or how do I know I'm not just making up stories? Because I can make up crazy stories in my head. And you gave me an answer that was really amazing. I'm wondering if you might be willing to explain what the difference. Sure. So, and this is where this question comes up mostly. um, It comes up from everybody, but mostly around (laughs) decisions. Mm -hmm. Right? When am I selling myself a bill of goods or whatever? Right. Um, And here's my answer. Intuition. I mean, excuse me. Um. Ego wants to have a conversation with you. It wants to point out what could go wrong. Its job is to keep you safe, keep you small, keep you, you know, in don't do that. Mm-hmm. What if you fail? They're going to laugh at you. All of those things that go through your head when you start finding all the terrible things that could happen to you that aren't even based on the data, right? Right. E- uh, intuition is short, sweet, positive. Short, sweet, positive. Right. Intuition is just that glimpse of it feels right. I got to pursue this some more. You just kind of know it. Right, right. Or at least know that this is the right direction for me to be pursuing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And even the most left brain person would say, ah, you know, it didn't, that guy just didn't really work for me in the interview. So I had to do some more digging and I hired them and they were great. And I'm like, then you did listen to your intuition. You needed to get more information before making the decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't have this exciting life and not be creative and follow your intuition. Mm. If you want to always be safe and small, then you're going to have to give up fun and exciting and lessons and things learned the hard way. Right. Risk. Right? Right? right. So when I say that intuition and and is always positive, first of all, it's the only thing that exists in your entire life that's for your greatest good. Wow. It's the only thing. There's no quid pro quo. That's this true. is just for you. 
So if it ends up being what you might think of as a catastrophe, they're simply putting things on your path that's going to help you grow to get to where you want to be. So even if something in the midst of it doesn't seem great, it actually could very well be. Sure. I worked in an organization that worked with cancer patients for a long time. And I heard it over and over and over again. It was a gift. It was a gift. It was a gift. I now know what's important. I now know all these other things. Now, I'm not saying get cancer. I'm saying by the time it gets to be cancer, how much have you ignored? Mm. How much have you ignored? So in my book, the first thing I talk about was hitting rock bottom. Right. right? I ignored my intuition to the point of five stomach ulcers and a nervous breakdown. Right. And it's not because it wasn't screaming to get my attention. It was saying quite loudly, do not take that job. Do not go in that direction. These aren't the things for your greatest good and highest purpose. But I got there and it said, "Okay, now let me help you figure out how to get out. of." Right. And and did you have the experience and when you made that shift of things just seemingly happening like one step at a time, things like falling into place in front of you to make that happen? Yeah, and the only reason I'm hesitating is because the first thing I did was let go. Uh I let go of everything. So let go and allow became my mantra. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying allow bad things if somebody's hurting you or whatnot. Right. But letting go and allowing my life to reveal itself to me. The one step at a time came a little bit later because sitting in the silence was the busiest I've ever been in my head and it came in like in torrents like now that we have your attention (laughs) yeah here you go and here you go and here you go and it was like it was every day was magic so sitting in that was sort of that first step and what I just described is what comes after that for me for you for for me I, I can relate to that a lot I mean that idea of letting go of preconceived notions how you're supposed to live what you're supposed to do how you're supposed to do it is a very scary thing. I find it very interesting that you put small and safety together, right? That you can be mm-hmm. safe, but it's going to keep your life right. small, right? And I think there's sometimes we, we mistake security, right, for living a healthy life. When it seems to me like that that type of healthy risk involves exactly that, but it involves expanding. You have to step beyond those things. Right. Uh, and so you you found that way. Through that, that's really interesting to me. I think it's something that, coming back on the other side of the break, that I'd like to take right now. I'd like to come back and hear a little bit more about your personal story and now what that looked like for you and how you arrived at this book, okay, and what you're hoping that it does. Okay, so we'll be right back uh, with Mary Gleason here on this show is all about you. Stick around. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. This is Rob Bates, and I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. The show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob 
Bass. Tune in. Do what Rob Bass says. Take a listen to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. That's me. Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on KKNW. To find out more information, check out my website, stacyconnects.com, or text D-A-M-T-T to 55678. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, welcome back to This Show is All About You. I'm your host, J.D.K. Winnikin, and my guest today is Mary Gleason, and she is an executive intuition coach. And we've been talking about uh, how intuition works uh, in both sides of the brain as well as its uh, relationship to creativity. And Mary was saying right before the break that uh, not only are our intuition and creativity on the same, type of the brain, same side of the brain, but uh, to not engage in them is to stay small and stay safe. And mm-hmm. so uh, what I'd like to talk about now is kind of a, a stepping out of that comfort zone or that safety zone that you and I both have in common as writers. And, uh, you know, any writer anywhere knows that when you're writing something that is personal to you, whether it's, in your case, nonfiction about your story or in my case, a fiction novel that in a lot of ways has mm-hmm. a lot of my soul in it, it's a very vulnerable thing to do. Talk about taking some steps on the basis of intuition. And I shared last week on my show that when I wrote the chapters of my book, um, I had no idea necessarily where they were going to end. I knew generally where I wanted to go, but it's the most intuitive I've been on anything in my life in terms of trusting it. Whatever dropped in front of me, I went with, and I ended up taking out very little of what was there, at least in terms of the overall story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, it was such a powerful, intuitive experience to trust what was coming to me and to trust that story. And I'd be very interested in what this process was like for you because this book that's just come out, it's, and again, it's called Being Woo Woo in an Engineered World. Uh, what, what was the culmination of this? How did you arrive here with this? <laughs> and what was that creative slash intuitive relationship like for you as you put together conceived and then wrote this book so when i woke up to all this intuition i saw the world completely different Mm -hmm. and i saw my role in it and i saw all of my relationships completely different and the first thing i had to do was take responsibility that nothing had changed but me (laughs) that's a big step it is (laughs) i also then Um, came to appreciate over a number of years that um, I live in an engineered world. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, if 25% are are dominantly six sensors, but 75% are not, right? Right. And as I say in the book, you don't want me designing your roads. I mean, we need these guys. (laughs) You don't want me building your car. This is not my skill set. But, and then living in a high-tech corridor, Mm-hmm. The chances of dominant intuitives <laughs> just plummeted, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, and and so I really had to struggle with who I am and walking it. Because mm. one thing I will tell you: once you find your intuition and you can validate this, that genie ain't going back in the bottle. No, no. It just gets louder and louder. It and, does, and has a bigger presence in your world. It's not a bully, but it's mm-hmm. a presence. It's a presence. So um, when I started teaching workshops to help others find how their intuition shows up for them, to a class, every single workshop that I held, I had at least one, sometimes more people pull me aside and saying, I'm starting to know things and I don't know how I know them, but I can't tell anyone. Mm. 
And when I realized it, this is not just my story, right? I thought, I'll write down my story if it helps. And I, in the book, I use a lot of the examples as the conversations and how they change between me and my husband, because guess what he is? <laughs> He's an, an engineer, engineer, right? right? Um, and, but it came to a whole new appreciation for our common denominator is energy. Okay. Right? Right. I use it in a knowing way. He uses it in conduits and he likes to know how it flows. I don't mm. really care. I only know that it does flow. Mm. And he uses uses the energy to bring a particular outcome to life, right? I use the energy to inform me what I even want to do with this. Right. I, it, it's just a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's yeah. it's more step-by-step for you rather mm-hmm. than outcome-oriented, right. specific outcome. And maybe for him, it's more outcome-oriented. Oh, very fair? much so. Yeah, right. we start with the outcome, right? Right. <laughs> so for me, I start with the vision. Okay. Where do I where do I see myself 5, 10, 20 years down the road? Everything else is informs how I want to get there. Mm-hmm. I used to think of my career that way. And it's like, no, I don't want the next promotion. <laughs> Please keep that promotion. Don't give me a raise. I'm in the wrong seat. I'm in the wrong place. Wow. So... Um, what I would say in the writing process itself, I don't care if you ever publish a book, you should write one. Mm. The things that will become clear to you are amazing. And you will carry them with you. And like you say, it doesn't matter, nonfiction, fiction, doesn't matter. We're always writing about ourselves. Uh-huh. And um, some of these people who write these medieval books that are just so realistic. I mean, I love reading Philippa Gregory and, oh, yeah. and all of those books kind of thing. I'm like, oh, man, they're researching their own past lives. I just know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they're plugged in for some reason. For some reason. Yeah. Or they're using those characters to tell a story that's familiar to them now. Yeah. So I just say, write a book anyway. And as my book coach says... It's a spiritual practice. Oh, I agree. And with I that. don't care what you're writing about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was saying last week that I've I've been increasing my presence on Twitter and writing communities online and I've seen a lot some of the most creative things I've ever seen there and among some of these writers. And and at the same time, there is a widespread fear that is palpable among many of them of what if nobody reads this or what if no one publishes it or what if you know, my vision for mm-hmm. how this is supposed to go doesn't go that way. And it, it re- it's really challenged me to take a look. Okay, what if that? So I asked myself that question. And the fact of the matter is, is I wrote this book because I had a story to tell. That's the best explanation that I can give. And I told it. And if the only people that end up reading it are the people that I happen to come in contact with, if they enjoy it, if it affects them, but more importantly, if it revealed a lot about myself to me. Mm-hmm. How can I argue with its value right. that its value is less because it doesn't become a bestseller and isn't yeah. in Barnes and Noble or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I wrote this book because it suddenly became important to document it. Mm-hmm. And because I'm such a woe is me kind of person. Wow. That you don't strike me as that at all. I had to write it down to convey it to somebody else. And what do I, what, if they do read it, what do I want them to think about me? Mm. I want them to think I took responsibility for me, right. right? For so long, it was my husband was just so unreasonable, and it turns out he was just being who he is. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't recognizing that for me. And some people call it triggers or whatnot, but it was like his incessant need for details I took on as my obligation to provide. Right. And then it was woe is me because that's just not where my skill set is. Right. That, therefore, right? there was something wrong with you that you right. couldn't do it. And it was something wrong with me and he's just criticizing and stuff. And so I had to be kind and true to him mm-hmm. um, and to say he was actually not asking me to go get the details. He was saying I need the time to get the details. I can't give you a decision. Right. And I'm a real... Um, I jump into things much more readily than he does. He Mm -hmm. needs a lot of data. But for me, he keeps me from jumping off the cliff too soon. Mm -hmm. And for him, we get to a decision because he's one of those, the paralysis of analysis. Right. Right. And he said, you know, I'd probably still be in my first apartment. (laughs) Well, and that's what's great about this, because even though this is a book about, um, it's about a lot of things, being woo-woo in an engineered world, you cover a lot of areas. You cover everything you've talked about. You cover it in relationships. You cover it on a personal side. You cover it in business, nonprofits. That's what's great about this book for all of you who are interested in looking at it. It's a wonderful introduction to about 50 different things that could be these avenues down which you could explore about the, the role of intuition and creativity and how that can better your life. Thank you. And what, what I really want to say is it simply documents my journey. I'm not saying this is the only path. Of course. This is my path. This is what worked for me. Uh, mostly, though, I want to offer people who are just waking up in their into their intuition a sense of community. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. And um, just one way to consider it. So there are some exercises in there if people want to play mm-hmm. along. That's right. That's great. But um, So I'm hoping there's lots of things people can get. But if you're in relationship with your opposite, whatever your opposite may be kind of thing, hopefully you'll find a way to salvage your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with that in mind, we're coming, coming to our end here. How can uh, people find you, Mary, and find the book and find your webinars and all the things, the various things you offer on intuition coaching? Where can they find you? So the best place is marygleasonconsulting.com, okay. my website. I'm also on LinkedIn. And my book is available on my website. If you'd like a signed copy, it's also available on amazon.com. Awesome. Okay. And if you're interested in hearing more uh, with Mary Gleason, uh, we are going to be doing a Facebook Live here in about 30 minutes, 4 o'clock at the top of the hour for about an hour. And that's at my Facebook authors page. That's at J.D.K. Winneken, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, the number one. And that'll be in about a half hour, but it'll also be available on that feed in perpetuity. Mary, thank you for being here with me today to talk about this. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It was wonderful. And to all of you out there, thanks for listening. And uh, until we see you either at Facebook Live or next week, Chins up, everyone.